Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Hello, I'm Dr. Joe Bean. Welcome to our program. We are happy to have you here with Mary Chopper Live. And of course, we have our CEO, Kimberly Holmes, who's been on a, a maternity leave because she adopted two children from India. And this is her first full day back at work. Yes. Welcome back to me. <laughs> Welcome back to Kimberly. Now, you've been involved in everything we've been doing for the last several months, but this is the first time you'll be in the office all day long. So did you... Uh, lose the children or are they somewhere where like I don't know if I'm gonna be here all day but <laughs> well, no uh husband is taking care of them so actually he took them to uh your house that's where they are oh you just don't, know that. <laughs> I just don't know that okay. but no we have we're excited um so Rob's taking care of them doing some you know stay-at-home dad stuff for mm-hmm. a little bit okay but we're getting it figured out but this past weekend you did some ex- exciting stuff traveling I was in Greeley, Colorado this weekend, which is about an hour or so from Denver. Uh, Our friend Darren Dobbs had invited me to come over there. And uh, there's a thing I do. I can do it for organizations. I do it for churches. It's called Love, Sex, and Marriage. Where on Friday night, I talk about the love path. And I spent about two and a half hours on that, like from 7 to 9.30 on Friday night. And then Saturday, people can pick different sections that they want me to do. This particular group wanted me to talk about... uh, personalities. And that's what mm. I did first thing Saturday morning. That's a good one. I, yeah, I call that one. Why is your spouse so weird? Yeah. That's the way I named that. Spouse. Yeah. And then they wanted me to do a parenting section, which is what I did uh, for the rest of the morning after mm-hmm. that. And then in the afternoon, I talked about sex, you know, as a sexologist. And so I sp- uh, talked about it for about an hour and a half. And mm-hmm. then uh, they wrote questions on index cards. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to answer the questions as best I could for the remainder of the time. Yeah. Those events are always super fun. We'll we'll have to broadcast when you're going out again, because if there's any of our listeners who live where you're going to be doing a love, sex, and marriage event that mm-hmm. you do, it is a lot of fun to go to. It's uh, completely different than what we do, like with our workshops that are based here in Nashville, Tennessee, or anything that we have online. It's definitely more of a marriage enrichment type event. Right. We get a lot of very yeah. good information, but we do it with a lot of humor as well. Yeah. yeah. Very funny. Um, yes, when you did it at our church last year, I just remember our church worship team saying they would never be able to look at the microphone the same way because you used it as and a at prop. Some, at some point, we'll explain what that means, but not today. This <laughs> is <laughs> this is a relationship program. We'd love to have your calls. If you call us at 657-383-0812, that's 657-383-0812. You can ask us any relationship question that you like, and we'll be glad to answer it as best we possibly can. Yeah, be sure to press the number one. That's mm, what puts you in the, right. in the queue in the queue. And Mm -hmm. some people call that number, for example, and just listen to the program on their phones. But if you Mm -hmm. actually want to talk to us, what you want to do is to press the number one, you hear the answer, and then you can speak to us. Speaking of which, there's a lady in North Carolina ready to talk to us right now, right? I hope we can hear her. Jennifer from North Carolina. Jennifer, are you there? Can you hear us? 
Yes, I can hear you. See, I knew we weren't going to be able to hear her because we couldn't hear the countdown before the program started. So we'll work on fixing that. Jennifer, if you can just stay on hold for just a bit, then we will get that started. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I were talking about this question just a little bit even before we started because we saw it come up on the screen. And we're excited to hear from her because my statement to Joe was that sounds like a little bit of a contradictory statement. As a wayward spouse, how is standing for your marriage different? Which is why I really want to talk to her yeah, and find out what that means. Yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to fix that in a minute. Our producer's working desperately over there trying to figure that out. But whenever we start the program and you don't hear that countdown, it means you can't hear the callers. And well, so we knew in advance this was going to happen. So <laughs> what is it that we can talk about until we can start taking the callers? <laughs> well, he tries to fix this. I mean, we don't want to go over there and have to slap him around some do we? I'm not going to do I'll it. Back. He'll, he says he says he'll find back. Yeah, but you're not as tough as Kimberly. I'll just say you there right now. That's very so, true. So, Jesse, how far away are out. we from getting this where we can actually talk to the people? Uh, give me about five minutes. Let's see if I can get fixed. Five minutes. Okay, this is the kind of problem that embarrasses us when it occurs because it shouldn't. I don't think we need to talk about it. Well, I think we need to I've talk. I've already talked about it, and I'm saying I'm embarrassed. I apologize for that, that we're not able to take your call right now. Go ahead, if you will, though, and still call that number at 657-383-0812. I'll say it a little slower, 657-383-0812, and go ahead and get in the queue. We have quite a few callers out there already, and as soon as we get this glitch Six, we're going to wind up talking to you. That's what we're hoping to do here just in a minute. When it comes to the relationship questions that we get, we often get questions about people whose marriages are in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's because of the fact that we're extremely well known, not just in America, but we're very well known around the world for having this intensive three-day in workshop that we do. It's, we, we call it our Marriage Helper Workshop. It begins on a Friday morning at 9 a.m. and goes all the way to 6.30 p.m. on Friday. And mm-hmm. we do have a break for lunch, and we have some breaks during the day, but it goes that long. And then uh, it also on Saturday has a very similar schedule from 9 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. And then on Sunday, we do it from 1 to 7. Now, right now, we're doing all of those right here in Middle Tennessee. And this workshop, we cover everything you can possibly think. Well, I take that back. It's not that broad. We cover the essential things we need to talk about for marriages that are having difficulty, having trouble. Now, we started first doing that workshop in 1999. Mm, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. 20 years I've been doing that workshop. And we have modified it some over the years. It's still the same basic workshop, but we've modified it in the sense that as we continue to learn and see what's going on and how culture changes and people begin to shift, we modify it. But on average, it takes about two years for us to make a change Mm. because we make sure that, first of all, any change we're going to put in has been definitely shown to be correct. Mm-hmm. in the social sciences and the research is out there. And then we check it in the lives of real people. Not only us, those of us who work here at Marriage Helper, but also people that we interact with. And, and, and so by checking it out that way, we discover what actually works best. So if you were to come to the workshop, and we would certainly hope to have you there if your marriage is in trouble, our success rate over those years is... Well, 77%. 77%. If you statistically weighted, it becomes 72%. But what that basically says is three out of every four couples that come to the workshop actually turn their marriage around and save their marriages, which is remarkable because the vast majority of the couples that come to the workshop, one of them does not want the marriage to work, mm-hmm. right? That's right. That's all you're going to say? I'm going to... <laughs> I don't know where you're headed with this, so I'm just sitting just sitting right here and listening. So what kind of situations do we normally see in our workshop? You know, I mean, the 
the biggest one that we see is typically there's an affair going on, whether mm-hmm. it's the uh, one currently going on, one that has gone on, one spouse or both spouses have had an affair. That's very common. Um, and then we see a lot of issues with control. So one spouse feels controlled by their, the other spouse, whether it's a husband feeling controlled by a wife or a wife feeling controlled by a husband. And let's just step back for a second, because a lot of people, when they hear that word, it's a very harsh word. So to the general public, um, a lot of people would hear that and say, I, I'm not controlled or I'm not controlling that. I mean, you think of just dictatorship and where you can kind of start to, if you step back a little bit and you're starting to explain it to someone, the way that I like to do that is just start by saying, do you feel like you can't be yourself around yourself? Like there's something that you have to change about you because they don't accept it about you. They don't like it about you. Or when you do it, they get angry at you and you have to change it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Are you are you feeling like you have to walk on eggshells? Like you can't talk to your spouse about something that's bothering you because it might make them angry. And when you do speak to them about it, they, they just get angry. They end up blaming you. I mean, these are the things that control looks like because it can be difficult to know, well, what does control even look like? Um, And that happens in a lot of marriages. It really does. Because if you think about it, when you get married and you start falling into just your everyday normal life pattern, it can be easy to fall into, um, you're not the person that that I married. I need you to act more like this so that I'll be happier with you. And it can start looking very controlling over time. Right. And of course, it can go to the extreme. Or somebody mm, yeah. who actually is dominated and controlled, I mean, in the very oh, fullest sure. sense of the word. But you're right. That's the second highest thing we see. And often there's a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. That when you have a couple that comes in because of the fact that he or she has had or is in an extramarital affair, you'll also find some of the control issues in that same situation. Yeah. So we do a lot of specific things in our workshop. And we are very happy that over 20 years, our success rate has been so high. Yeah. Now, that success rate measures whether or not they stay together. Now, consider that's a big measurement because of the fact that the majority of the, one, the, the couples come. Mm-hmm. One couple is like a one person in the couple. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not going to stay in this. It's over. It's done. Yeah. And so the fact it's, that three out of four of those couples stay together is a major measurement. But we've also done research since then and discovered that also there's a dramatic increase in marital satisfaction over the next 90 days as they continue to put into things, to uh, put into practice, implement the things they've learned in the workshop, mm-hmm. and a dramatic increase in sexual satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're being told that this is working now. So let's go back to Jennifer from North Carolina and see if we can hear her now. All righty. Jennifer, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Awesome. How are you doing today, can Jennifer? Can you hear me? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm hanging <laughs> yes. in there. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. That's a good Southern term. So how may we help you today, Jennifer? Uh, well, I'm I'm actually from California, believe it or not, but um, I mm. live in North Carolina right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I, so my, I'm not going to go, you know, into too much backstory, but at the beginning of our marriage, um, mm-hmm. my, my husband struggled with sexual addiction. So he did have some uh, brief affairs. That mm-hmm. you know definitely affected our marriage. Um, when you say some, he, we're talking about how many? Um, he so he had a he had one physical affair that I know of, and then okay. the rest were uh, conducted Emotionally. online. Okay. Yeah. Right. And like, how how long you know, have you been video married? And things like that. Mm-hmm. We've been how married, long have you been married? Uh, almost twelve years. Okay, and so how can we help you today? 
so today, um, a few years ago, I started a extramarital affair, both physically and emotionally. Um, mm-hmm. I actually met this person um, while I was going through a very uh, dark depression. We we actually met in a in a treatment center, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, and it carried on. And it, it became very, like, addictive. And, you know, now that it's over, I look at it now, and I see, like, how destructive it was. But um, mm-hmm. I ended the affair last May. Okay. And so my almost, husband uh, decided year. to you move mean, out. You mean May, yeah. May last month or May a year ago? May last year. Okay, so a year uh, yeah, ago. So right. my, yeah, my husband had known the affair was going on, and, and he, had, he had stayed, but um, – he was very like angry and bitter. So I definitely see the marriage helper principles, you know, like how helpful they would have been. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's been, he moved out in August and I have been um, on the marriage helper boards. I, you know, I have the workbook, I have a coach. um, And now we're in North Carolina. You can't get divorced for a year after separation. Um, And we're coming up on that to August. And my husband is, is further away than he, you know, he was when he first left. Right. And so, so are there any interactions I, between the two of you at all? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, okay. we get along really great. We have a daughter. Um, okay. Eight years old. But, he, but he's living someplace else. That's right. He's not living with you. Yes. Right. Okay. And family. the interactions, are they primary, primarily conversational? Are you doing things together? For example, does he ever come and you wind up in the same bed? Do those kind of things ever occur? Um, that happens very rarely um, okay. that we are intimate. Um, but, but it, it happened, happened maybe a couple times this year that it has happened, okay. yes. But right now you're still conversing yeah. with each other. You're still talking. And what I'm hearing you say is that he is still bound and determined to divorce you. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So we okay. um, we spend time together as a family. And so those mm-hmm. interactions are good. We do have fun but about two weeks ago is when he had his lawyer contact me, and mm-hmm. he's now, like, he's, he wants that process engaged. And so at this point, um, it's, you know, it's difficult mm-hmm. because I'm being demanded to participate. <laughs> and okay. so far I had refused to participate in any of those things. Okay. So now you have to. So, so what is it that we can help you with right now, Jennifer? So what is it like for, you know, um, a lot of times I know that the standing principle is for the wayward spouse in order to kind of give them time to come out of limerence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am the one that, that was the wayward spouse. And so this is now stem, this this is happening because my spouse is, Mm -hmm. is angry and hurt and, and done, you know, he just feels very done. So So as far as you know, he's not involved with somebody else. Is that correct? There's nobody he, else in his life? I think that he has feelings for somebody, yes. Okay, so there is another person. There's a pull out there. I think. You think? There was. And, there was somebody, but okay. I don't All know right. if it's still happening. Okay, and so as we get into this then, what specifically can we help you with today? What does, you know, how do I as a wayward spouse continue to apply the principles um, for some, for the person who who may not be in limerence, but just hurt mm-hmm. by the way with spouse's actions. Mm-hmm. 
he's hurt. But what I heard you say was that on occasion you've actually made love to each other rarely, but you've done it and that you've spent family time together. During that family time, does he act okay then or does he act hurt and angry? He acts fine. Okay. And so why would he at this point be pushing for the divorce? Is it because just the fact that the deadline is coming up or is there anything else going on that you know of? He just, he wants it to be done. He doesn't, um, I've been a stay-at-home mom, and so Mm -hmm. he actually, in the lawyer's paper, he wants me to take over our rent. He wants me to pay for half of our debt. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's a financial thing, but he wants to just be, and he wants custody. Mm -hmm. He wants um, wants me and him to switch. He wants us to switch for every two days. And I I disagree with that. Right. Do you have an I attorney? Do. Okay. Yeah. And and your attorney then is willing and, and able and has the uh, the wherewithal to be able to fight against those kinds of things. Is that correct? Yes. She did say that that we're not agreeing to those initial terms, but she did say that North Carolina's um, parenting, like the way that they do do uh, custody, mm-hmm. isn't beneficial for the child. They they tend to kind of do that weird fifty fifty where the kid mm-hmm. is with the parent like a couple days a week and then right. you swip. It's, right. it's not very great for the child. Gotcha. All right. So back to your question so then. You when you're that. saying what's the difference between how does the wayward spouse stand and how does the other spouse stand? Obviously you're not waiting for Limerick to stand. You already know that. But as far as you know, at least right now, if I heard you correctly, he's not involved with somebody else. It's still the same principles. Now he may push for this divorce to go ahead and happen in August and It'd be interesting to talk to him to find out why. Why is it just the deadline? Is it financial or is something else going on? But since we don't know that, you keep practicing the same principles that we talk about. And while I know that you don't want a divorce, understand this. Divorce does not necessarily mean that there's no potential of reconciliation. As a matter of fact, we see people that that have been divorced for a while, and hopefully that won't happen to you. But people that have been divorced for a while, they can actually put those things back together. So it still boils down to the same principles, which is you work on yourself physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, becoming the best that you can be. And when you have these interactions with each other, you're warm, you're safe, you're comfortable. And, and if this is going to be put back together, which we hope it will be, the greater likelihood for that will be because of the fact that you become better and better and better friends. And then mm-hmm. that can potentially lead you back. Now, when it comes down to the and I'll say one last thing here because we have a lot of callers waiting. And that is, since he wants the divorce, is there any possibility that you could offer to him, hey, if you go with me to the marriage helper workshop, then, and then I can yield this or give you that or whatever it might be. Uh, is that a possibility? I have asked uh, multiple times mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, he would ultimately say no. I did ask yesterday again um, mm-hmm. and he said he would think about it. And so I am mm-hmm. definitely praying that he will. I did, you know, let him know that if he does decide to go through with the divorce, that this mm-hmm. workshop could still be very helpful towards us but then he brings he doesn't want to he says he says he doesn't want to waste money he doesn't want to waste time Mm -hmm. and i'm just like well it's worth it it's worth it so i don't know what else i can say but right well don't push pushing is not going to help but the fact that you still have interactions with each other you're still spending some time with each other hopefully that will continue and as it does do your best you can that while that's occurring that you can uh 
be that warm, safe place working on the pies. And if mm-hmm. anything works, if anything works, that will work. Okay? Yeah. He has right. acknowledged the changes. He just said that mm-hmm. they are too late. Like they came yeah. too late for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he said it's great for our daughter. Mean it, so. but. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thing, and even if he's saying it's too late, it doesn't necessarily mean that's so. Just mm-hmm. give it some time. Keep being persistent in what you're doing. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And so do you Thank have you, any, is that like the only thing that's, I guess, good enough for a wayward spouse towards someone who is, you know, who has been hurt? Because I, I just feel like a lot of the information is for people who are waiting for a, a cheating spouse to stop. The same principles work. Being the safe same place, principles. working on the prize, okay. you becoming, it, it, it works no matter what the situation is. It does. Okay. Okay. All right. All thank right, you thanks. guys so much for your time. Thank you, okay, Jennifer. Thank you. Okay. Unfortunately, Kimberly, and, and I'm glad we can help Jennifer, but we're going to have to go only about five minutes per caller because we have so many callers left. And so can we do that? You think? You're the one talking, not me. Yeah, but I'm going to need you to have to give you some help um, there. So I, I, one thing I wanted to mention was that, you know, I, it feels like she's kind of put a label on herself, that mm-hmm. she's the wayward spouse, but she's really not. She's mm-hmm. wanting to make the marriage work. Mm-hmm. So from that point, you know, the way that we think about ourselves can sometimes make a huge difference as well. Mm-hmm. So that would be my, my encouragement. I think that's a good point. Okay, let's go to Eric from Virginia. Eric, how may we help you today? Can you hear us? Eric? Yes, I can. How are you today? Yeah, we're doing well. How may may we help you, my friend? Um, So um, I caught my wife in an emotional affair with one of my friends um, back in Mm -hmm. February, and Mm -hmm. um, almost immediately she um, wanted a trial separation and has, um, you know, moved into our downstairs bedroom and um, or guest room and is um, basically stuck her head in the sand and, and won't speak with me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the, um, you know, emotional affair, if she's still texting with my friend, I'm, I'm, I just don't know. But um, mm-hmm. we, we have two young children together and, you know, we, we her, kind of on her grounds, we kind of alternate nights taking care of them. And um, I guess my, my question is, you know, we have started con- talking to one another a little more and I try to stay Good. away from the relationship and I've been working on myself and, you know, recognizing mm-hmm. what I've done wrong in the relationship, but what are some, mm-hmm. you know, um, ways to kind of, when, when we do communicate, like some things to talk about just to kind of, you know, move the process along or to, to help her, um, mm-hmm. you know, see that I'm making changes to myself. Yeah. First of all, let me give you some things not to talk about my friend. I wouldn't talk about anything where she would feel that she's being pressured or pushed. I mean, the fact that you've moved in advance, I mean, you've, you've made some progress in the sense that now you're starting to talk again, where if I heard you correctly, you started off with, she just moved into the other bedroom, kind of shut down, but at least now it's coming back in the right direction. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. But then, yeah, I, that's I understand. correct. But anytime there's, mm-hmm. no, I was just saying anytime there was um, communication about, you know, about our relationship or anything that's, you know, forward looking, even if it's, you know, financial forward looking, she's like, I just don't know where I'm going to be. And she shuts down. Right. And so why would you pursue that then if she shuts down? Well, I mean, some of the things we just have to decide for our children of like what they're doing for camps and and stuff like that. She just, you know, just doesn't want to talk about anything that's serious. So she even shuts down if you're talking about where your kids are going to camp. Um, or school for the next year. Yeah. 
Okay. And she shuts down because that's future. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in two months or uh, six weeks or whatever. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So is she going to be okay if you make some of those decisions on your own? Like, for example, about the camp for the kids or about school for the kids. Now, I'm assuming the school means she's thinking she may not be living in the same house. Therefore, the kids may be going to a different school. Is that what you mean by that? That's correct. Yeah, we need to sign okay. our daughter up for, for school. Okay. If it were I, now you obviously need to do what you think is best. But if it were I, I would not, if she doesn't want to talk about those things, pushing her to talk about those things, it's just probably going to push her further away from you. I'm going to get Kimberly to speak about that in a minute, about the push behaviors, because she knows a lot about that. I'll ask her. And I know that's frustrating for you because it's like, well, I mean, we're already into the summertime. We've got to make some decisions. We need to do these things. And so it becomes kind of frustrating, but it's also walking sort of a fine line because if you push and she pulls further away from you, then you increase the likelihood that she indeed is going to leave. If somehow, and I realize this is more of an art than a science, but if somehow you could be that safer place where like, if you're not ready to talk about that, fine. Now, if there's something that has to be decided right now, like camp or whatever, then you might just look at her and say, is it okay with you if I make the decision about the camp? I wouldn't be saying, is it okay with you if I make a decision about school? Because that's obviously referring to whether she wants to stay or not. And so you take care of what you need to take care of. But, but patience here, as difficult as it is, particularly when it's like, but there are things we need to talk about. Patience here can be an absolute asset in every shape, fashion, and form. Because if you're making progress and then you push, the progress stops. But you've already experienced that, right? That's correct, yes. Yeah, okay. I recognize that I need to just stop and not talk about the relationship, just keep everything casual and talk about either parenting or, or just being friends. Exactly. And hopefully what happens over time is that she becomes more comfortable talking about that. Things become easier and easier and that you are that safe place and that gradually you put the relationship back together. You see, in the way we look at it, you're actually making progress. I'm sure it's not the degree of progress that you wish, but you're actually making progress. And if you can be patient, deal with the frustration, and let that progress continue to develop, it's the better choice. Again, it's always your choice. You decide, you decide what you want to do. But in general, it's the better choice because of the fact that at least you're making progress. Whereas if you push, you're going to stop making progress. Kimberly, can you speak more to push behaviors, please? Well, we're almost out of time. <laughs> But we, uh, you know, push behaviors, the basic premise of it is anything that you're going to do that pushes your spouse away, even if you don't intend for that to happen. And so my question to you, just hearing what you've said, and of course, I don't know you, Eric, but a lot of times when people are in a situation like yours, in your mind, you can tell yourself, well, this is something that I have to talk to her about, like the summer camp or the school or whatever, and you can make it um, unintentionally in your mind a we need to have this conversation when in reality, maybe you don't need to have that conversation. So it's kind of a form of pick your battles. So about mm -hmm. the things that you're talking about, you know, do you really need to have her decision or, wh or whatever it is, whatever reason you're talking to her, maybe you're wanting her to pay half of it, or maybe you're just wanting her to be okay with where your daughter's going to go for the summer or whatever it is. I would boil it down to the absolute most necessary part. If you can afford 
and this is all just an example because I don't know it, but if you can afford to send her and if your wife doesn't really care where she goes, then just go ahead and make the decision. Maybe there's not a conversation that needs to happen. But if your wife is just saying, you know, hey, I just want to be on board with agreeing where she goes, then just talk about that part. I mean, you want to do the least amount of decision making with her, I'm mean, making her having to make a decision. Um, people get decision fatigue. And so even in a situation like this, your wife could just be in her own mind feeling like she has a lot of decisions to make and she doesn't know what she wants to do or whatever. And so when you start inundating her with more questions, it can just make her shut down a little more. And it might not have anything to do with whether or not she doesn't want to talk to you or, or doesn't want to stay. There's a lot more going on that you probably aren't aware of. So that would be my encouragement to you just, um, and your original question was, how long do I wait to get her to, or before she can decide? And of course, what Dr. Joe said of, you know, take it one day at a time. And you said this too, I learned that asking her questions about certain things wasn't working. So now we don't talk about the relationship. I would keep doing that for a period of time and don't put a timeline on yourself. Don't put a deadline on yourself because you don't need to. A lot of times we wanna make deadlines when there's not a reason to have one. So just work this until it works. That would be my, my encouragement for you. And, you know, I think you can do it. You have the principles. I think you can do it. Excellent. That's very good. Uh, decision fatigue. I don't know if I've actually heard that phrase before. I have it. <laughs> you haven't heard it? You just made no, it up? No, I have it. I have decision fatigue. If it gets to a certain point in the day and I've, I've had to make a ton of decisions, mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore. Huh. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, I just don't think I've ever heard tired. the phrase. You get okay. tired. So we're going to Jesse in Kentucky. Jesse, are you there? Hi, Dr. Joe. I'm here. And how are you, Jesse? How may we help you today? I am also hanging in there. I had a, a quick question. I am mm -hmm. in recognition now. I, I am the one who had an affair. And mm -hmm. my fiance and we've been together since 2004, engaged since 2011. And... Things are, are going okay between us personally. Um, I've gotten a lot of support from, I'm working with two individual counselors now, spoken with several others, and read books and do different things. Um, my fiance really is focused on his support group being one online forum. And my mm -hmm. question for you based on that is, how can I use the things that I've learned about myself and through counseling to continue to be honest and open with him about the questions he has about my affair, when it feels like his support group has kind of given him a, a catch-22, you know, uh, whatever she mm. says, can't believe it, don't believe it. Mm. You know, um, if you see a change, don't believe it, she's out to trick you kind of things. Um, I, you know, I want to, I want to work and I want to be honest and I want to be there for whatever he needs, but I kind of feel stuck mm -hmm. no matter what I do. If I may ask, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, why does he continue to be with a support group that's so against you? Um, I've asked that, and it's been a huge uh, thing that I have learned is maybe not the best thing for me to do. But he says that, for one, if I question the effect of like an echo chamber, that that means I'm not trusting him to make his own decisions. And I, I don't really feel that way. I just kind of see the I see the effect that it can have positive or negative when all you're getting is echoing of the same opinions, whether they're your okay, own so or not. He's telling you, so he's telling you that his support group says, don't believe what she says, et cetera, et cetera. So he's saying those kinds of things to you and attributing it to the support group. Is that what you're saying? 
No, I've actually, it's an online forum, so I can go there and I can see, you know, not only interactions that he has on the forum, but I can see other people's interactions. And it is a, a forum that's more focused on the betrayed spouse. So, it, you know, maybe one out of every 50 posts or questions or comments will come from an unfaithful. So the perspective, I think, is a little biased, just by default. And he, okay. his point is that doesn't in fact impact him at all. That okay. In, so he's telling you that this is not affecting him. So what I'm hearing you say, and Kimberly, you tell me if you're hearing the same thing. What I'm hearing you say, Jesse, is the fact that it bothers you that you read those things on his support group thing. And he's telling you that it's really not affecting him. Is that what you're saying, that it's really affecting you more than it's affecting him? Well, that, that's part of it. I, I do worry that it's affecting him because in my mind, like, how, how can it not? You know, how can you hear someone say, once a cheater, yes, always I a hear cheater. That. I hear that, all, all but he's that. telling you so that it doesn't affect him. He's telling you, if I just heard what you said correctly, he said to you that's not affecting him. So it's really bothering you more than it's bothering him, right? It is. Um, it, it's both sides of the coin. Um, his actions kind of make me feel like it is bothering him or is impacting him. That was my but question. When I, Okay, but your original question was this. Even if that group is, is vilifying you, and I'm so sorry that they are, I, I hate that that occurs. Uh, I wish people wouldn't be in groups where people are being that way, but obviously we can't control what uh, your fiancé decides to do in terms of his groups. It really is his decision. But when it comes down to what you do, it's the same thing as to whether they're vilifying you or not. You see, we often run into this, we say it often, Kimberly and I do, where maybe it's not a support group, but it's a family or it's a close friends who are vilifying the other person. And either way, it all boils down to the same thing for you. You say, how can I be honest? Well, you be honest no matter what they say. Now, understand that when you're honest, don't offer information that he's not asking. If you're saying, okay, I need him to understand why this happened, so I need to explain it to him. If he's not wanting to know that, if he's not asking that, and you start sharing that information with him, he's not going to deal with it nearly as well because it's like, why are you telling me that? I don't want to know that. Different people have different levels of what they want to know. Some people want to know everything. Others just want to know, is it over? Is it done? Are you with me now? And so providing information that the other person's not wanting is not typically beneficial. Would you agree with that or disagree with that, Kimberly? I would agree with that. I think a lot of times when we overshare, it's to make us feel better and not what's better for the other person. We're trying to get anxiety off of us and it ends up causing a lot of anxiety for them. Uh, you know, I would, and you mentioned at the beginning, you work with, you are seeing two counselors and you've spoken with others. And so I, my question to you and encouragement to you would even be, is that the best thing for you right now is I know that with people we work with when they're getting multiple different uh one person's telling them this, another's telling them that. They it, they can get overwhelmed and say, I don't even know what to do. And if you're trying to implement it all, you might be too hard on yourself. Um, it might be a lot to do. Of course, I don't know your counselors. I don't know what they're telling you. But so, and even my question at the beginning was, and Joe echoed this, is this really an issue or is this just an issue because you're reading what the other people are saying? Is he actually treating you differently might you be overthinking it or overanalyzing it, um, you know, and just really seeing where the issue is? Because you, just, I mean, all of us, we don't want to make problems where there aren't any. So is this really the issue or, you know, maybe it's not and maybe you can move on and maybe everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. 
We've seen this work out, Jesse, with um, people who it's, it's the parents that are saying all these negative things or their best friends that are saying all these negative things. And they have a lot more influence typically than some group does. And so yeah, here's my recommendation, my suggestion. As best you can, try to ignore those people. And when it comes to whatever you share with your fiancé, I would be careful not to overshare, not give him information that you're that he's not asking for, that he's not looking for. That's our recommendation there. And so we're going to Gina. Is it Gina? Is that how you pronounce it in Jersey? It's Gina, are you there? Okay, then we're saying it right. How may we help you today, my friend? Well, um, I've been going through this situation with my husband for a few months, and no matter what I do, um, try to be calm not saying anything. Um, it seems like nothing's working. So I just feel like I'm a fool for trying to work things out with him when I know he don't want to work things out with me. Okay. Is he still living with you? Yes, he is. Okay. And, but he doesn't want to be with you anymore. That's, is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. And he, for months I've been asking him because I knew uh, there was something wrong, something going on. And I've been mm-hmm. asking him, has he been cheating on me? And he keeps saying no, but then I found out evidence that he has and he did admit it. And we went to mm-hmm. therapy and he said he wants to work on the relationship and we're making plans and we just bought our house two years ago and we're making plans to, you know, with the house and all this is in the few months that, you know, all this relationship has, his relationship has been going on. Mm-hmm. But what he has been doing has been deceiving me to make me think that he wants to work on a relationship, and he doesn't. And, and he's told you that he doesn't. He told you he wants it to end. Is that correct? He has not told me because... okay. Right now, right now he doesn't have a place to go, so he's waiting for okay. to get a place with either. So what I hear you saying is, mm-hmm. what I hear you saying is that you're reading his mind. If he hasn't told you he doesn't want to work, because what I just heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I just heard is that everything he said to you, to the counselor, or anybody else has been, I want to work this out. But you have decided that he's lying, even though he's tell he's saying no, no, those no. things. He, no. No, no, no. He has, I overheard conversations that he's had that he's just stringing me along until he can he get out of He actually told somebody that he's stringing you along. Yes. And yes. you heard that. He said that he's just playing, he he just playing the game. Mm-hmm. And who did he, he tell He told her that? because he, he told his girlfriend that. He didn't know. And how, how did you hear that conversation? How did you hear that conversation? He did, on the phone. He didn't hear, he didn't know that I was around. And then when he saw okay. me, his whole attitude changed. Okay. So you're saying, are you a fool for wanting to be in a relationship with your husband? Apparently, you still love him. Now, did you I confront him, him about that conversation? I mean, since he knew that you heard, did you confront him about the conversation saying, I heard you say you're just stringing me along? Yes. Did you have that conversation with him? Yes, yes. And what I've did he say? I had that conversation with him. Mm-hmm. He didn't say anything. That's the thing. He didn't say anything. And then for for months, he's saying that he wants to work on a relationship. And then okay. he's not. So have you considered anything. the possibility? Have you considered the possibility? Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, Kimberly. Where am I headed? What you're about to say oh, is exactly what I'm thinking. Go ahead. 
that he's lying to her. Exactly. That's exactly it. That he really does want now to stay with it's, you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, because because if, if, now, he's pretty, if he's only being involved in an affair with her, if he wants to be involved in any kind of relationship with her, and she knows that she's that he's married to you, mm-hmm. it could really be that he doesn't want to work things out with you, but that he's still involved in in, right. in that other thing. Entangle is a better word mm-hmm. in that other thing, and that he actually could be lying to her. That's a possibility. Now, why are you so convinced that that's not possible? No, it's not possible because now he has his whole family telling his whole family that he's he's making it seem like I am a psychotic woman. Mm-hmm. And, and you know he's saying his that. Family, and how do you know yeah, he's, he's saying tell- that to your family? Mm-hmm. Because when I spoke to his aunt, she's like, oh, Gina, they're just friends. And I'm like, okay. So he reached out to them already and let them know that I will be saying something like this. But I, I understand what you're saying. And the aunt told you that? The aunt told you that he told them in advance that you were going to contact them? Mm-mm, no. By her no. conversation, I knew that what she, I knew what she, um, that he had said something because mm-hmm. why would she try to tell me that it's just a, a, a friendship that they have? Gina, I think know. you have a battle in your mind. Mm-hmm. I think that you need to only focus on what pe- what actually happens instead of trying to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. That's going to cause you more pain than, I can't think of another P word, <laughs> pain than pleasure. It's going to cause you more pain than actually being able to, I would believe him until I actually had evidence otherwise I would believe him. It is just as easy to believe the best about someone as it is to believe the worst about someone. And it seems like you're believing the worst about your situation and what everyone's telling you. And I would just focus that and start believing the best and see where that takes you. Because if he is stringing you along, if that's, you know, if that's reality, then this marriage is going to wind up coming to an end at some point. And it's going to be painful and we hate that poor you. Mm-hmm. But as Kimberly is saying, by making those assumptions, mm-hmm. if indeed he lied to the other woman, and believe it or not, based on our experience, that's a really strong possibility yeah. that he was lying to her mm-hmm. because he wasn't ready to end that yet. But she's saying, well, you're married and, and sort of string it out. He lies to her. Now, that doesn't make it right. What he was doing was really, really wrong if he lied to her. But, but when he follows up by saying to you and to the counselors, I really want to make this work, I'm with Kimberly. If you keep having these negative images, mm-hmm. you keep having these negative thoughts about him. Oh, well, his aunt said this. That means he must have said to his aunt that. Then you're doing this kind of mind reading stuff. And all it does is, is it just deteriorates you. Mm-hmm. You become more well, for lack of a better word, paranoid, you become more, um, you start interpreting everything in light of that. Right. And therefore, whatever he says or whatever he does, you're going to interpret through that light and you're going to wind up making some very poor decisions. And now, eventually, mm-hmm. most people wouldn't want to come back to that kind of situation. If my husband always believed the worst about me, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be around him. I want my husband to believe the best about me mm-hmm. and I should do the same for my husband. So what we're saying is what he's doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, We're yeah, totally agreeing what's wrong. Yeah. But if you want to help save this marriage, mm-hmm. we strongly urge you to quit thinking in terms of all those negative things because it's just going to program you to do things that ultimately will destroy the relationship, even as you try to save it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to Keith in Minnesota. Hi, Keith. How may we help you today? Hello. Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you, Keith. Um, 
I guess what I my wife is moving into her apartment today, and I'm kind of curious about you know helping her move, whether that's something I should do. You know, whether we talk about the suburban payment, whether she should start taking that over, and the insurance payment on it, and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. She's moving into your apartment. As in y'all's apartment no, she, or her she, apartment? No, she moved. She moved out of our house six, seven okay. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Lived with her mm-hmm. mom, and now she has her apartment. Okay, just moving into okay. that now. And so she's asking you to help her do the physical move. Well, she asked uh, if you know she could take the extra bed from downstairs, and I said yes. And then she asked about a chair, and she hasn't specifically asked about the move yet. But I don't know if I do if she asks and. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm wondering because she acts as we still do some stuff together once in a while as a family. We have four kids and she, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of business as usual when she's together. But when we do stuff, I don't know if I should keep encouraging those kind of things or like make her kind of miss it or, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just so confusing mm-hmm. to me. Okay. And and we see here that it's, it's written on our screen that we're looking at. And so you, uh, apparently you talk to our, our screener. And are you also yeah. in the process of considering starting the divorce process at this point? Well, I just wonder, should I, should I consult somebody to protect stuff? You know, uh, like, I don't know. I, I don't want the divorce. That's the last thing I want. I am definitely mm-hmm. wanting to stand for the marriage. But, you know, I, I've been really listening to your podcast and everything on Limerence. And I, you know, I think she's somewhere in that deep yeah. into stage two is what I would guess. But mm-hmm. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I guess I have all that stuff going through my head. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm so very sorry for your pain. Obviously, you love this woman and you're hurting, and and we feel concern and care for you because we know that you hurt because you're losing. When it comes down, Keith, to making decisions about, well, do I, if she wants that bed from downstairs, do I give it to her? Do I help her move the stuff into the apartment? It's always a judgment call. When you agree, Kimberly, it's a matter, yeah. a matter of you want to be warm understanding and caring, but you also don't want to be aiding and abetting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what that boils right. down to, Keith, is that you make a decision about, well, what am I helping her do? So for example, if she were to say, I need some money to go drinking, that becomes pretty clear. You go, I don't want to aid and abate you going drinking, uh, aid, aid and abet. I can't talk. Mm-hmm. You're going green, uh, <laughs> drinking. But on the other hand, if she says, since I'm moving into an apartment anyway, can I have the bed downstairs? If you decide, okay, I can do that, it's not necessarily aiding and abetting. And so it's, it's not a science here, my friend. It's more of an art where you have to decide what's warm and caring and what's helping her do stuff that's really bad. Since she's already moved out, sure. you're not helping her move out. You're just helping her live in a different place now sure. that she's moved out. I think it is sure. wise. Now, it's, it's your decision. But I think it is wise that you can wise that you consult an attorney, because if she's going to ask for this and ask for that and ask for the other, having some legal advice about you know this is a good thing to do, this is not a good thing to do, is something that we obviously cannot help you with, but an attorney can. Mm-hmm. And and you don't necessarily have to start a divorce process just to go see an attorney and, and ask him or her, can you at least advise me on this? Now they're going to charge you obviously, but having yep the wisdom of a professional in law can be a pretty advantageous thing. So if you say, okay, well, what if I start the divorce? Sometimes, Kimberly, we run into people who say, well, I'm going to file a divorce because I think it'll just straighten my spouse out. Mm -hmm. And we typically say, not a good idea. Mm -hmm. 
Don't start a divorce okay, unless good. you actually intend to follow the divorce. If you're going to start I'm a glad divorce, you said that. Mm-hmm, because sometimes people think, well, that'll shock them and it'll straighten them out. Now, is that a possibility? Yeah. Well, anything's possible. But the probability is, no, it's actually going to go against you because it's like, well, we're already having problems. I'm already living someplace else. Well, if you want to start a divorce, okay, let's go ahead and do the divorce. And it's more likely that it will work that way than to stimulate her to want to come back. And so there's some judgment calls here, my friend. Kimberly, why would you add to that? Yeah, I know. I mean, you pretty much said it. The you can get really caught up in making the decision of, do I help her move? Do I give her the bed or the couch? When in the grand scheme of things, I think it is more about the consistency of your actions over time and not just the one-off events. I don't think that if you help her move, that she's necessarily going to take that as, oh, well, then he's okay with me doing this because he's helping me and therefore everything's fine and good and I can keep moving forward. Um, unless that's how you are in everything. If, I mean, if you just act like you don't care and you know, you know, if you're not working on trying to save the marriage, then she's going to get that message. But I would look no, at it very as clear. actions over time. Yeah. And, and so okay. in that case, look mm-hmm. at it as I've it's an opportunity to talk clear. to her. It's an opportunity okay. to be around her, to talk to her, not about the marriage or the situation, but just to, you know, yeah. show that I'm working on myself, show that I'm being strong in this, um, you know, it's always a good idea to take advantage of the times where you can talk with your spouse. And so I would yeah. view it in that sense, but you just have to weigh those like, things. And I just look at it over time. They get a lot of that, you know, you're too good for me. I don't deserve you. You need to just move on. Stuff like that. Well, you, you, you would rather hear that than you're a terrible, evil being. Sure. I don't want to see you again. Count your blessings. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my friend, count your blessings. I, be the best you you can be, my friend, uh-huh. and and uh, yeah. that's the best thing you can do. You cannot control her behavior, but you can't control yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've, I did ask to see if she'd go to the workshop, and she said a no at this point. She's not ready for well, something like that. I got it. I understand. But, Hopefully someday she'll change her mind on that. Hopefully someday we actually will get to see you at a workshop. We'd love to, Keith. We would love to. So we're moving all the way out to California now, and this is Daniel. Daniel, how may we help you? Hey, how's it going? So for, for, for us, I think it's okay. Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so I'm wondering whether or not what I'm going through right now, if I should endure it or if I should put a line in the sand to, change, to kind of change the circumstance. What I've got is uh, my wife's been... Uh, in and out of affair for four years, and she broke it off in 2016, said she was going to, uh, not willing to entertain the affair unless he or she both ended their marriages. Well, recently mm-hmm. he ended his marriage and contacted her and started the affair back again. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been looking for an apartment, can't afford it, so she threw out an idea that, well, she's going to live with him on the days that are when I have the kids, when it's her days with the kids, she would come stay at home. Therefore, her rent, she has no rent with when she stays with him, and we can put that money towards paying off debt that would allow her later to get into her own place. Hmm. Um, I'm struggling with that because, well, she's asked me to, you know, hmm. in doing that, she's got to commit to him and wants to be roommates with me. And I thought, well, we've been together for 16 years. That's probably not going to be a possibility. I love you too much to ignore that 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I am running to right now where she's she's not following through completely with her plan. She's going there on the weekends only and only during the day. She's coming home every night, but she's sleeping in uh, an air mattress in the front room instead of instead mm-hmm. of leaving. Um, and so if, still, if indeed, still, if you did not let her live with you, if you did not let her live in your house, what happens then? She, she's, I don't know, she, she's back and forth. She threatens me saying, well, maybe we need to file for separation. Uh, she mm-hmm. says that she worries that if she goes and lives there that I'm going to file for custody with the kids because I don't agree with the position with mm-hmm. the kids that it's a good place for them to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I'm not sure where it will go. Uh, she's been back and okay. forth. She signs a lease. We get out of a lease. She's still caring. She still will give me hugs and kisses, hello, goodbye. She'll still, mm-hmm. you know, here and there make love with me. Uh, when I mm-hmm. question her on that, she's like, oh, well, it was a mistake. I, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that. But the fact that she still mm-hmm. does it, she's still at home. She's not staying there. She only goes and visits during the day on the weekends. So at any point do you feel at any point do you feel that you're being used, my friend? You ever feel like that? Um, I don't know. Sometimes I I might think of it, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think that she's struggling, that she's not she's not ready to commit to him, but she's mm-hmm. on the fence with us. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what it feels you, like to me. Okay, so let me phrase it a different way. Do you ever feel like that you're helping her? be involved with this guy? Um, I don't know how I'd be considered helping her. She knows that well, I'm aware of it and I don't agree with mm-hmm. it. And if we talk about it, it creates all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what I'm trying to ask, and, and, and I'm not, I don't actually have a point. I'm just trying to understand what you think or what you feel. I'm is asking is the fact that you let her make her base out of that house with you, and and you know that if you said no, I can't I can't deal with this. You as you just said a couple of minutes ago, you said it, you know I I can't let you live here and do that at the same time. If you were to make that ultimate decision, you said you're not sure what she would do. Well, apparently she can't afford to go get her own apartment based on what you said. It's a possibility she yeah. might live with it. With him, that's a possibility. So I'm I'm just asking if you feel that the fact that you let her live there with you is helping her have the affair with him. That's what I'm asking. In a sense, I I almost wonder if it's having giving her that safe place. So if she doesn't want to go be around him, uh, then so she has somewhere to be. And that's what I see her when she's looking for an apartment. I, I in talking to her, that's what I get. She's looking for that space as well, is because. She's worried she moves in with him. It's going to be a bad situation for her with him, just mm-hmm. as it's a bad situation for her here at home. So if she has her own place, she can pick and choose whom she wants to be around, when she wants to be around. If she doesn't, then she has a comfort spot. I understand that. Um, but because you let her live there and be involved with him, you let her live there some and be with him some, then you're making it where she doesn't have to make that decision. Is that correct? Yes, but if I push her towards you know, I can't do this. I have a feeling she's going to go move in with him and bring my kids around him. And she's also going to make it a a position where financially we're in a huge pickle. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is you've already made your decision about what you're going to do. That's what I'm hearing you say. Me? 
I haven't. No, I no. don't know what to do. I, I'm on board one minute saying I'll give this a try, and then she leaves for the weekend, and I'm emotionally destroyed, and I don't know if I can do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I, I, okay. I'm, so I'll back off what I said a minute ago. I'm so sorry for the predicament that you're in. Obviously, there is no clear-cut answer here. Now, you put it on the Internet, everybody will know exactly what you should do. You know that, right? People will tell you, you got to do this, you got to do this, because people know exactly what you should do. And yet you're dealing with a woman that you love and you want those marriages to stay together and you want your kids to be taken care of. And so good for you for that. I really do appreciate you doing that. Thank you. But really understand that what happens here is ultimately the decision is we typically recommend, and it's always your choice, but we typically recommend that if you're making progress, if you're actually advancing with each other, sometimes tolerating these things can actually be to your advantage. But if you're not making progress, then you have to ask yourself the question, do I really want to do this? Or if it's doing damage to you, not just hurts, but it's damaging you. So it's beginning to see effects physically or the way you think intellectually, the way you feel emotionally, it's beginning to damage you or damage your children or even damage her. Then that would be the time when it's like, I need to do something differently. Now, it's a tough decision. Uh, My heart is with you. Only you can decide. We can tell you what we think you should do, but it's ultimately your decision. Just look at this. Ask yourself these two questions. Am I making any progress in the relationship with her? If yes, go one way. If no, maybe go the other. And is it damaging me, the kids, or her? If yes, you go one way. If no, you go the other way. But those would be the criteria that if it were I in your situation, that's what I'd use. And maybe consider stop sleeping with her. In that situation, yes. <laughs> maybe so. All right. James from Ohio has a question about boundaries and consequences. James, can you hear us? I can. Hi, James. How can we help you today? Hi. Um, so, uh, wife is out of the house partying pretty hard, as well as working outside the house. Uh, 11-year-old <clears throat> stepson still in the house. Uh, that I end up watching. I'm watching the majority of the time now. Um, feeling very taken advantage of um, and wanting to set a boundary about this and as well as the consequences. But um, I feel like the boundary should be I can no longer be here alone with him because as much as I love him and, and his stepfather, I am not his babysitter. Uh, so, um, and I will say too that I'm, I'm the reason I'm pausing about what to do here is because uh, there's been some fair bit of stress and uh, loss uh, on her side as well. Uh, In and what I'm worried way? About you know sort of um, loss of a most cherished relative and another childhood relative. Uh, the second one due to suicide. The first one due to mm. long wasting illness. Um, as well as um, pretty serious problems with one of her other children um, legally. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. been, it's been a roller coaster for a while. Now. Um, so are you saying that the partying that she's doing, those kinds of things, are you saying that that's kind of her escape method? Completely. And I, I do want to tell you too, that she asked for, she asked to separate on, on uh, last week and mm-hmm. thought that it'd be good for me to start looking for a place to live. And I said, well, I'm not, this is my home. I don't want out. I'm going mm-hmm. to, I don't like, I do not blame you one bit. We often encourage men who are saying, well, I'll, I'll just leave. Well, I don't know. Actually, if you do leave, there's some legal repercussions that can occur based on whichever state you're living in. I'm not trying to give legal advice. I would make a couple of suggestions here, my friend. First of all, what I'm hearing you say 
apparently there's some kind of noise going on in the background there. And it, it, it stopped. I went to the oh, okay. Um, what I would suggest you think about is this. If it's actually doing damage to you, like you're saying, okay, I, she's going out, she's partying, and I'm, I'm actually making that. I'm making it where she can do that because of the fact that I'm taking care of the, of the child. I, I, definitely, and, I definitely am. It's called enabling. You know, if you go look on the Internet, you can find enabling everywhere. But sometimes people only do what they're doing because of the fact that you make it possible for them to do so. And if you're taking care of the kid, if you're doing that, actually gives her the ability to do it that she would not have otherwise, then you might want to consider, is this enabling healthy or not? And if it's not healthy, then you make a decision not to do so. But there's something about it that feels weird to me. So as I'm trying to, as I'm listening to this and thinking about it, what I feel like it might come across as is, well, this is your kid and I'm taking care, taking care of him when you're the stepfather. So if I were her, I would feel like, so you don't love him like your own? Because if I were in this same kind of situation and there wasn't a stepchild, if it was just the child of the two of us, then it, then it wouldn't be that situation. My husband wouldn't come to me and say, well, I'm not watching your kid anymore while you go out because it's our kid. And I think that you have to view that the same way here because he's, he is your stepchild. So I see what you're saying, but you might need to rethink it or re, I mean, either rethink it or re, because there's, I understand what you're trying to do, but I think that the actual execution of it would come off in a very bad way. Yeah, I agree with you, Kimberly. I think what happens is this. I can understand your frustration, and I can see how you think like that. Mm-hmm. But what I don't know, Kimberly, if you were to say to her, I'm not the person who's supposed to babysit the 11-year-old, mm-hmm. it's going to come across all about you. That's how right. she's going to see it. Oh, you don't love him. You don't yeah. care about him. And so I would not use that. If it were I, I would definitely not use that phraseology. Mm-hmm. It would be the reason I'm not going to do this anymore is because what you're doing is damaging to you. And by my watching the child, it gives you the ability to do these things that are damaging to you. And I love you too much for that to happen. Now I understand the frustration. I understand why you said what you said, but I'm with Kimberly. If you say it that way, then she's going to attack you. Mm -hmm. You don't care about the kid. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you go the other direction, it's going to be, okay, I'm, I'm doing this because I care about you. I love you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that Kathy down in Delaware that we're going to now? Yes. Can you hear us, Kathy? Yes, I can. How are you today? Good. How are you? You just shocked Joe's good, ears, good. apparently. <laughs> I had my volume kind of turned up a little bit there. <laughs> when, and, uh... you, when you spoke, <laughs> if you're not watching us live, when you spoke, he shocked Bat in his chair. Anyway, his volume was too loud in his headphones. It's not you. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my big mouth. It's okay. It's fine. You're from <laughs> Texas. Everything is big. I love Texas. Yeah. Do you have an ATB near you? I just have to know. No, I'm I'm from I'm from Delaware. Delaware. I'm in Delaware, right. but I'm Delaware. actually yeah I'm, I'm in Delaware. Yeah, Delaware. Yeah, okay, Delaware. Yep, you're from Delaware. You don't yeah. have an H E B. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. So my part, I'm I'm gonna try to make this quick because it's been a long two years. So my husband is in an affair. He currently lives with this woman, um, and he's lived with her for about two months. And um, it's a good and bad thing because he has come to the realization that this is not what he wants. And he pretty much told me that he wanted to come home. However, Mm -hmm. um, we are like, there's nothing more I can do to make this divorce drag out. 
um, mm-hmm. the final papers had to be signed today, actually. They had to be signed. And um, I just feel that if he really, you know, he tells me that he wants out, that this isn't what he wants, I asked him, then leave now. You know, this was a week ago. I said, mm-hmm. leave, leave now, leave now. And he said, no, give me two weeks. Well, today it's her birthday. And, and I'm just like, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's so wrong in so many ways. You, if you're leaving, leave. Just leave. Don't stay because it's her birthday. Don't stay because you need to paint a wall for her or fix a toilet or whatever the case may be. Like, if you're going to leave, leave. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we've been married for 35 years. We have adult children. We have a five-year-old granddaughter. My kids mm-hmm. have not spoken to him since the day he left. He left eight months ago. Um, mm-hmm. This is not an easy situation at all. Um, mm-hmm. I love this man with my whole heart. Um, I, I say to him that, you know, um, Satan sends people into your life just like God does. And he was tempted. Our marriage was fine. We were best friends, but he was tempted mm-hmm. by this woman. And I think that she continues to um, persuade him. He has no friends. He has no contact with anybody. He has nothing. He has nothing. And he's starting to see that. And it's taken him a long time. Um mm-hmm. He's like I said, he's been out of our house for eight months. Um, I found out about the affair after it was it had already been going on for a year. I had no idea, right. I had no clue. He okay. worked with this person. Um, and so, if I may ask, that's, what, that's, what is it, it we can help you with today? <laughs> what is it we can help you with today? Um, I, I, I just don't understand. If he says he wants to leave, why doesn't he leave now? Why doesn't he leave now? Okay, so he was very much uh, strongly emotionally involved with this woman. Is that correct? Yes, he is. Yeah. Okay. But now he's beginning to see the frustrations part of that. He's beginning to recount the cost. Like, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to do this. And that's what I'm hearing you say, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. What's going on here is not just about logic. It's also about very strong emotions. And these emotions are often mm-hmm. very strongly driven by brain chemicals, believe it or not. And so even the brain starts realizing this was a bad decision. I need to get out of this. I need not to do this anymore. It's not like it doesn't mm-hmm. typically happen like that. It typically is kind of a right. decreasing sort of thing, a sliding scale. Now, I have a couple of recommendations mm-hmm. to you, and that's this. When you say, well, how long should I wait? It does sound as if he's headed to the right direction. Only you can decide whether or not you want to wait that out or not. But it does sound as if he's headed in the right direction. But if mm-hmm. uh, I made you a suggestion about how to talk to him, and you said to him, you know, you need to go ahead and do that now. You need to get out of that now. Then you put it back mm-hmm. in the ballpark of him trying to deal with his emotions that are all mixed up, et cetera. There's a better way right. to do that to monitor the future. And here's that better way. Uh-huh. The better way okay. would be that you look at him and say, I understand that you're still having some emotional struggles. And I understand that things like her birthday have a part of that. But may I tell you how I feel? You see, you're saying that you want to come home. You're saying you want to get out of that. And I hear you. And I believe you're telling the truth. I also know that you have these mixed emotions that you get pulled back and forth. So while you're thinking about her emotions, like, wow, if I leave on her birthday, what does it do to her? Can I ask you to consider my emotions? Because here's how I feel about that. I feel that you're telling me that the best place for you to be is with me. And I love you and I want you here. But what I'm hearing you say is that you're actually putting what she feels over what I feel. Now, I know it's a struggle for you. But if indeed you have come to the realization that that's not the best place for you, and you've come to the realization the best place for you is to be here with us, then I'm asking you to consider my emotions. 
And this, I know it'll hurt her, and I know that you would hate hurting her. But are you going to hurt me? I would love to have you back, but I want you to start considering about me. Now, Kimberly, you know what I'm doing here because we teach it in psychology, which is instead of making about him, what he's doing, his decisions, it's explaining what you feel, which is so much more powerful when you're trying to get people to uh, understand things and do things, right? Mm-hmm. It's less likely to put them in attack mode when they're feeling like you're attacking them and then they get defensive. You can't argue with feelings or you shouldn't argue with feelings. <laughs> well, it's less likely that he mm-hmm. would argue against that because it's like, now he might reply something such as, I don't want to hurt you anymore, but you've got to understand I'm so torn. And that's when you stay on um, his side of the table. Is, mm-hmm. I don't have a better to say that where you say, I understand that you're torn, but I'm asking you just as you're considering her emotions, I ask that you consider mine. Mm-hmm. If I were, if it were I, I wouldn't back off and go, well, in that case, go ahead and be with her. I wouldn't do that. I would not relieve the pressure. But it would still be not that you are making the bad decision. It would be, I'm asking you to consider me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 35 years is a long time. A lot of investment. I wouldn't. And from just from her perspective, my encouragement would be not to, not to stop trying too quickly. I know it hurts and I know it's painful, but on our side, we can see that there's a very good chance there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you might be closer than you think. And so mm-hmm. I wouldn't give up too soon. Right. Especially after 35 years. And so if he were to say, okay, thank you for being honest, and I'm sorry it's hurting you, but I'm going to be with her today. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is don't pull the plug. I wouldn't. It's like, okay, you understand that I'm hurt, but it doesn't mean that you make that the ultimatum. Well, I would say this. If I were angry, I probably, I mean, most people probably would. Out of their anger, out of their hurt, mm-hmm. out of feeling betrayed, they would say, fine, then you just go, and then that would set off a different course of action. It takes a whole lot more mm-hmm. self-control mm-hmm. and and really empathy, because you're putting yourself in the shoes of someone who's doing something wrong, mm-hmm. but you're trying, it, it's not the way we normally think, but when you're able to do this, it mm-hmm. works so much better mm-hmm. in, a, in being able to save your marriage because you're thinking long-term. You're not thinking about how you feel today. You're thinking about in five and 10 more years and with our second and third and fourth grandchild, that's what you're thinking. Sometimes when you're talking, I just find myself absolutely amazed at how much you know and how much wisdom you have at such a young age. <laughs> I mean, Kimberly's experienced a lot. She's very bright, well-educated as well, but that's very good insight, Kimberly. Thank you for coming back to work. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> she's been off on a maternity leave for a few months, and she's mm-hmm. back now. And she has these two wonderful children she adopted from India. They're awesome. They're, They're the great best. little kids. But I'm glad that you're back at work. I'm glad you're back on this program. I yeah. think you have been extremely insightful and helpful. Thank and you. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, we're going to end the program, yeah. and we hope to see you guys next week. Bye.